What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 38th draft Yes, of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. How are you, Matt? We're live on location today, Eric. We're at um, our friend Michael Munz's house in Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Shout out to Mike um, for letting us uh, record. be freeloaders and eat uh, his pretzels and drink his beer and Coke. So uh, I'm, we're curious if this uh, works out properly or sounds good to all of you guys because we're kind of testing out our mobile podcast setup and um, what we'll be using during uh, the film festival this year, actually, because we want to try to record quickly and on the go during the festival because we're going to be seeing so much stuff that uh, we thought, well, I'm in Oshawa. I was visiting my friend uh, Ryan Byrne yesterday. and um, Saw Crawl. I did see Crawl with my friend Ryan, um, which we'll talk about, and we did a review of that you guys can go check out on the other channel, Untitled movie reviews um I like how you weren't sure for a second I, like, yeah <laughs> i forget this is this is a weird setup for us because we're chilling yeah. on the couch we're holding our iphones up to our uh mouths <laughs> and uh and then we have to sync the audio later and um i'm also looking at mike's collection from time to time it's judging beautiful him. it's really beautiful this is a good actual like if we were to just record the podcast here every week we could probably just use this as a backdrop if we wanted to do a video version of it right and uh, mike will be our studio now um mike's no. no longer a person he's a studio <laughs> no thanks to mike for letting us chill here and, and kind of record while he's getting housework done yeah if you hear and, if you're like uh, sort um, of like a painting noise in the background he's, mike he's, is painting some doors he's doing some touching uh, so uh shout out to mike um uh for that but eric how you doing i'm good i'm good it's 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 been one of those uh weeks where um you know it's been busy in terms of just life and in, in general i've had to uh uh, start looking for a suit to wear for my brother's wedding, which is fun and shopping, uh, you know, at a store is not my idea of, uh, enjoyment. Yeah. I hate shopping, man. We were at the mall right before this just quickly. Cause I had to return some shorts and, uh, I'd much rather just do all my shopping online. And then if it fits, it fits great. If it doesn't, I'll just send go it re- back. Like, yeah. I'll return it or I'll send it back. So, uh, did you find a suit or no? Uh, I'm, part way there we got the pants okay and uh yeah so thank you to kyle and his partner heidi for he's your stylist usually right? yeah <laughs> i have no idea what i'm doing and and i just asked kyle to help me out with that kind of stuff and um so i don't look completely ridiculous um but yeah it was it was just one of those weeks where it was just more life stress than anything else and and sort of going through that and then also um I uh, twisted my ankle, um, not exerting myself. Oh, God, you told me this story. And <laughs> but I, doing I, some it's writing, such an my Eric leg story. went numb. And then I just decided, okay, well, I was writing, you know, right around uh, before midnight, got up and uh, was like, you know what, I can I can make it from one room to another without, you know, having to wait for my leg to have feeling back or to get the feeling back. <laughs> I was wrong. And I fell and I almost twisted, uh, or I did twist my ankle. And then uh, again, I was lucky to have both Kyle and Heidi around, and they were able Your to caretakers uh, care, take care of me. <laughs> They take you to the mall. They make sure you don't break your legs while yeah. you're writing. I am accident prone. I, I fell down the stairs once last year. I remember that. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I just like if if something. Did you bad, talk about that on the show or is that pre podcast? It was pre probably pre podcast. That was a lot of fun. I uh, I broke a rib. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Self-inflicted. Yeah, yeah. As I take a sip of, Mike gave me a, a nice cold Budweiser. That and is it, still, is it still good? Where he's like, I don't know how old those are. Right. So imagine an old Budweiser. That's what it tastes like. So They should um, sell that. They should rebrand it. Old Bud. Yeah. Uh, I think alcohol is supposed to get better with age, you know? I think that's wine. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, it tastes fine. It tastes like a Budweiser. Does it taste like old Bud? Uh, well, I'm glad your ankle is okay. Yes, I'm a little tender still, but thanks to Kyle and Heidi again. For, did you ice it? Uh, we you... kept it elevated for about 10, 15 minutes, and then, yes, I did ice it, and uh, I felt like a true athlete there for a minute. Oh, <laughs> God. When you told me, and you're like, you'll laugh at this, I sprained it after I was writing for too long. <laughs> like, only you would, like, get up and almost injure themselves after writing. Hey, my um, writing sessions are pretty intense. I could only <laughs> imagine. Thank you for that. Uh, but if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each and every week, Eric and I get together, um, talk about what's going on in our lives, talk about the entertainment industry, what we've been watching, kind of what new trailers are out there, and if there is some news. Kind of a slow week this week. Yeah, but how have you been, um, though? Yeah, you know what? I've been good, man. We're in like full wedding planning mode, um, which has been uh, – it's fun. It's good. So for those of you – I talked about uh, my engagement on the podcast I think a few weeks ago when we took that little bit of a hiatus after uh, Nevis and I got engaged. So um, we're in full planning mode now and like we booked a venue. It will be in uh, Croatia, which is awesome. And uh, Everyone listening is invited. Um, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We have uh, – it's actually – we have a, a cap that I'm – it's interesting doing a destination wedding like this too, right? Like it's asking a lot for people to kind of spend a lot of money to go on a vacation and, and come to your wedding. But I've had good good response from everyone and uh, um, – So no stress – like no real stress or anxiety no, yet? No, no. I mean, you know, it's just your, your typical kind of like you're planning a wedding with someone that you obviously have a lot in common and you love them. But like – I would hope. you're uh, Yeah, if you're getting married <laughs> – them um but i mean you're gonna disagree on things right or how things should go or how things should look so i'm right now i'm obsessing over um our save the date video and our website and but we're also like some other things weren't as stressful so like the venue and like yeah you you're looking it's interesting doing destination wedding because you don't do the typical things that you would probably do if you're having a wedding locally so whether that's meeting with your wedding planner in person or going to view multiple locations like in person or um, a lot of people do tastings for their menu to try and find the right vendor and stuff like that. And what the, like this, we all kind of have to trust both the wedding planner and the venues and like the caterers and stuff like that. You kind of just have to go off instinct and photos and things right. like that, which makes it both easier because you're not taking as much time overthinking it or going to all these locations you kind of just have to go with your gut but there's also um, more of a risk there because yeah. you're 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 relying on other people in another country uh to you know make sure that they're doing exactly what you want them to do or specifying or customizing yeah the, the wedding plans right? yeah so it's it's both stressful and non-stressful because we've gotten a lot done in like we got engaged on may 24th and it's now Two, four. Uh, July, whatever the fuck day it is right now. Um, is it the and, 13th? Uh, 12th or 13th? It is a great question. I don't know. Yeah, no, because the 15th uh, is Monday. Yeah, okay. We've dated this episode now. That's fine. It's the 13th, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's great. We just have no idea what day it is. Um, I knew Canada Day was like – it seemed like yesterday, but it's been yeah. 13 days. Well, I can't believe we're almost, um, we're, we're almost halfway through – 
July. We're already over halfway through the year. We did our best. Yeah. Go check out our best of the year so far podcast last week. And I mean, next um, the next episode, we'll be talking about uh, the first stuff, yeah. wave of TIFF films. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So next week, um, you guys will get the episode a little bit later. Um, so you won't get it on Monday. But Eric and I will be um, getting together on Tuesday, July the 23rd. Um, because at 10 a.m. that morning, we will get the first batch or the first wave of announcements from the Toronto uh, Film Festival for their lineup. So, um, Special presentations, yeah, galas. galas. So the big boys are coming out that day. Um, usually we get an opening night film that, that day. But in recent years, it's been kind of weird because like, they've held off on announcing. Remember the judge. Uh, yeah, like things <laughs> like that. So. Uh, who knows what the hell we'll get, but um, both you and I are very excited for that. So we're going to kind of get together right after uh, you'll be seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the morning. Yeah, so and- I'll give my first reactions to that as well. And then on, on top of that, I'm sure there will be plenty of Comic-Con News coverage starting weekend. to trickle out. Yeah, so a big big weekend or a big episode next week because, yeah, we'll have Comic-Con reactions from next weekend because there'll be a big – Hall H panel for Marvel, so we'll probably maybe get some news about Phase Four or whatever they're going to call it. Yep. Um, there's a Russo Brothers panel. That's uh, who knows. That we we speculate that that's probably about their MGM stuff. Yeah. But going um, back to the Marvel panel, hoping for that Morph solo film. Yeah, that's all we want. The first X Men property into the MCU. Morph. Um. So yeah, man. It's uh, next week will be a huge episode. So guys, stay tuned for that on uh, Tuesday. Um, but if you guys like uh, this bullshit or whatever we do here, we also uh, do another podcast called Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric and I are a little bit more professional. Um, How much of, more though? Not very much more, but a little bit more. Or we like to pretend we're more professional on that show, uh, where we kind of sit down for 15, 25 minutes tops and and discuss. Uh, sometimes a half an hour. Um, sometimes depending depending on, on the film. Yeah. Um, um, and review a new release film, whether it's uh, upcoming in theaters or in theaters or on streaming services. So uh, right now you guys can go over to the channel and check out our reviews for uh, Stuber as well as Crawl. Um, and then next coming up soon, we'll have reviews for the 2019 Lion King next week, as well as like we just mentioned, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood the week after, and then Hobbs and Shaw. The and week also after the that. Uh, Art of Self Defense. Yes, we will have a review for. Art now, of what we won't have a review for um, because it's been a couple weeks now, but uh, and we did mention uh, on the last show that we would, but Matt, you can talk about it now. Is uh, in in what we've been watching recently. Uh, you saw the last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah, so uh, a little bit delayed on that. Um, uh, I ended up seeing it at Lightbox last weekend. But it's so, good that you saw it in a theater. Yeah, I, yeah. I had the we had a screener that didn't. I I, I kind of really wanted to see it in a theater. So unfortunately, with the timing, we did, we we know we said it in a couple other of the podcasts that we were going to have a review up. Um, we think we're a little too. We've missed the boat on that one, so right. uh, we thought we might should would just talk about it on the normal show. So you've already given your impressions, but I I pretty much echo exactly what you've said. Like I'm I'm perfectly in sync here. Like uh, I thought it was one of the best films of the year. Um, I thought Jimmy Fails is excellent. I thought um, um, Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors is amazing as Mont. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Talbot's direction as is. is uh, poetic and beautiful and and uh, uh i really thought it was one of the best films of the year and like and an amazing um, score too that is there right yeah. from the beginning the score is is incredible and i think i want to continuously listen to that and uh yeah you know what i just thought it was a great story and i didn't think it was too you were talking like 
I, I thought the style really worked for the film. Like it didn't take from the the themes and the message that he was trying to kind of uh, put out there. And in lesser um, hands, it would have like it would have. I could see like if somebody was because this is a this is a first time filmmaker in the yeah. sense that I mean he's done shorts before Joe Talbot, but this is a first feature for him, and a lot of filmmakers fall into you know, the cliches of being, throwing everything out there and trying to be like style over substance and try to create a signature of their own. But he balances it perfectly with the emotional center, which is this a really beautifully, deeply felt relationship, a friendship that is so strong and, and, and wonderful to watch unfold over the events. And also, I, I think I mentioned it even on um, our our last episode when we were talking about our favorite films of, of halfway through the year is that it reminded me a little bit of a ghost story where it's yeah, like, I you know, your, you your home, the place where you, you call home is where you create memories. And sometimes those memories aren't always um, completely accurate or, or you see them You've from a different perspective. Yeah, you convinced yourself of a truth that's not actually yeah. there, which I think is interesting. And like taking those childhood memories and if those were actually what happened or did you just convince yourself of them and then and then interpreting that into a very beautiful kind of um free-flowing kind of film that relies on the yeah like you said this friendship or these two performances that i thought um were absolutely incredible and like um i thought both it's just very naturalistic acting but like in this like Jimmy Fails is playing a version of himself and I thought he was amazing. And then Jonathan Majors playing, um, I think a character inspired by Joe Talbot. Yeah. Cause um, it's based on Joe Talbot and Jimmy Fails real yeah. friendship. And, 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 and Jimmy was living with Joe, yeah. um, after having dropped out of, of, of college and, and, and it was a similar situation. Although, um, what I love about Jonathan Majors performance as Mont is that it's also looking at, masculinity and and what that is and what that means and how you know we see you know one type of person or man present themselves like the way that the guys on the street talk to each other and hang out versus the friendship that they have Mm -hmm. which is a much more different much more um open and emotional one and 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 thoughtful and vulnerable where those guys are all friends that the guys that they were always you know sort of seeing in the distance but their bravado and and sort of uh anger and 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 machoism is is more forthright yeah and a bit of a mask for them too right yeah and there's a beautiful um, payoff with that and yeah. that's you know bittersweet and funny and 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 melancholy and the last act is amazing like it pays off perfectly i totally agree so if you guys are in uh toronto it's playing at tiff bell Lightbox right now you should a thousand percent go check it out there it's Again, we talk about how great Lightbox is, and I wish every movie opened at Lightbox. Right. Um, but at least a movie like this really does earn a spot in, in playing yeah. at, a, at a theater like that because you're going to get a great experience. 100%, Eric. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I watched that, which I thought was excellent. It would have made my probably top five, if not probably top 10 it's on the list now so yeah. my list is already see changed. and that's and that's what happens and, though um, right and, yeah. and i'm sure it'll it'll be somewhere in our in our final list yeah. at the end of the year too because it's a it's a really like a lot of people have said since it played at sundance that it's a special movie and it, it kind of sounds cheesy when people say that sometimes or it right. feels like you're you're relegating it to like a category that isn't you know with 
or competing against other films, but it really truly is a movie that is is a one of a kind film, and you know especially this year, like it's something that you keep going back to and thinking about. Yeah, and I again, as much as it's Jimmy's story about his childhood home and and his relationship with the city and 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 how fucked up and changed it it's been, I really do like like you said the the Jonathan Major storyline that's based on Joe Talbot too of even just like from a creative standpoint too of how you're coming up and and using what's around you and and his journal and 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 using those characters to kind of portray his his what he's trying his message to Jimmy near the end of the movie I thought was like really interesting and just as someone who's kind of like that too of just like I'm always thinking about or taking inspiration from what's around me and, and writing things down right just and and the place the that creative you, process yeah and the place that I mean also with Jimmy like uh, you know the place that you live in the place that you love and hate at the same time because mm-hmm. you're seeing all the sides like I've been to San Francisco once and it was all the tourist destinations mm-hmm. from the most part other than um uh, fisherman's wharf which was yeah. a tourist destination but also just uh you know a local economy yeah, kind of yeah. fishing area but in this movie you feel like you actually are seeing san francisco from the point of view of people that live and work there like it's not a movie that it's just a bunch of people that wrote a script that fell in love with san francisco having visited it's people that live and 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 yeah. and, and have lived it's in from the there world. And, yeah like, i mean the whole line where he's like you're not allowed to hate san francisco yeah and that's kind of how and i like, feel about durham region sometimes where like yeah. people will shit on a place like oshawa but it's like they don't live there and they yeah. don't they haven't earned that right we can shit talk yeah. oshawa but not you uh yeah so i thought it's excellent go check it out um and if you again if it's not playing in somewhere around around you i mean definitely watch it when it it ends up on um on streaming services and uh, as i drop my phone as you drop your phone yeah we we are we are holding our 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 phones as our mics so we apologize if we don't sound clear or if we sort of adjust our our hands as we're going through uh uh, the show but yeah it, like streaming it is supposed to be rolling out a little bit wider uh by the end of july but it probably still will be one of those movies that is playing limited release um but hopefully there will be streaming uh availability in probably september october yeah and the blu-ray a small as well movie that'll be hard to kind of see in a in a theater unless you live in a major city right yeah so uh which is unfortunate right it's a conversation we had today again about disney and their um grasp on the industry and how it's affecting things and uh these smaller movies are going to be harder and harder to see in a theater right and they already are but yeah and especially when it's also looking for a movie like this is looking for um you know international distribution so it's being released by a24 in the u.s and we'll have a new story later on about a24 and, and them doing something kind of interesting with uh their, showing their uh, public access public series. access um but when when it comes to international distribution, it can be more risky because you know the you got to think about the distributors wanting to to make a little bit of of money back from you know something like this, and it's tough. And and the last Black Man in San Francisco was a last minute uh, buy for uh, for Level Film, which yeah. is a small Canadian uh, distributor. So yeah, yeah, it was because it didn't have it w- didn't have distribution here until very recently. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but definitely check it out if you guys are able to. 
what else have I been watching? Um, not much else. Um, we've been busy. I've been busy both with this wedding stuff and uh, uh, watching stuff for review. But we did um, watch, uh, both of us did um, separately, uh, The Lion King in 4K. We did, yeah. So I, uh, you, I think, got me Lion King for Christmas, right? I sure uh, did. Uh, this year. And hadn't watched it yet. I was waiting to kind of get closer to the 2019 version because i wanted to compare them uh man what a movie man it's just like it's it's the crown jewel in disney's 90s animated renaissance i agree completely um almost used 100 (laughs) percent. we're trying to resist (laughs) no it's our catchphrase now uh dude it looks phenomenal on 4k um it's just what a movie man just like i i can't believe as a kid like I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like how emotional that movie is and how traumatizing it is for right. a young kid. Well, also, I and mean, like, but it's also teaching you about loss and, and, uh, yeah. And growing up and taking yeah. responsibility. Yes. And it's also a gateway to a lot of different things. It's a gateway to Shakespeare because yeah. it's based on, like, on Hamlet. The, Hamlet? Yeah. Or yeah, like yeah, Hamlet, yeah. Hamlet because Hamlet is, is the son right. who, who is seeking revenge against uh, the uncle who takes the spot of the father. Right. Yeah. Um, it, although, yeah, and Mufasa does come back kind of as a ghost in the way that the, the father yeah, and Hamlet of, does. Yeah. Um, and then also it, it opens you up culturally to world music as well. And I'm not talking about the Elton John and, and Tim Rice stuff or, or the Hans Zimmer, but, you know, actual African music. So it's yep. like a starter point. Um, and then on top of all that, I mean, it, it is a really well done story that is a great father son story. And it's just also very interesting at the time that they did cast, you know, James Earl Jones, who, you know, his voice is obviously so distinct, but his voice is known for playing one of the you know, worst villains of yeah, the worst as in like, but also one of the worst yeah. patriarchs yeah. in, in, in cinematic history as, yeah. as, as a villainous father. And then yeah. he plays such a loving and caring, yeah. uh, patriarch in, 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 in Pride Rock. Yeah. Yeah, and man, what a crushing movie now watching it as an adult. Knowing right, exactly. It was traumatizing as a child, and oh, it, it still was, hits yeah. hard. But now when you know it's it coming, in your thirties, yeah, it's and you know what's coming, and Simba and Mufasa's relationship at the beginning, and like, like you said, how loving he is as a father, and that he really cares about this his young cub of, of becoming king, and and uh, it, man, what a flick! And it just like it looked so good on four K, man. Like I couldn't believe how well the animation still holds up, and. um yeah just still still gets me its emotional core is is great scar is an amazing villain um, yeah jeremy irons is jeremy just irons, so yeah. over the top and relishing yeah. in, in and his just, theatricality yeah it's amazing and uh i, I laughed a little bit because this is the f- i mean i watch lion king probably every five years or so maybe and then whenever they like re-release it in a new format i kind of i think i watched the 3d version here at mike's house actually yeah. And uh, and the opening sequence oh for the circle God. of life yeah, is, is, incredible. is incredible. And um, I noticed this time around a lot of the exposition dialogue, which was funny, but in like a cute way of like you can tell how they're trying to spoon feed all the kids exactly what's happening in the movie. Right. Um, you don't notice that when you when you're no, a child. No, but yeah, but it, as an you, adult, you're like it was kind of comical in the way that like the way pe- they would insert a scene because I could only see behind the scenes going. Yeah, kids aren't going to understand what what the hell's going on. We need to kind of have someone inject themselves and explain literally point by point what's happening in the plot. Um, so I thought that was funny because I haven't seen it in in a, in a while. And uh, but no, what a thoroughly enjoyable movie. The music is amazing. So I think the most memorable Disney music from that era as well. Um, 
I think it's my favorite Disney animated film, and and uh, I know, and you've seen the 2019 version now. Yes, and we're gonna have a full review next week. Yeah, so you can kind of give like much like you did with Toy Story. You've been seeing the Disney stuff before me because uh, I have a day job. <laughs> You're an adult, Matt. Yeah. You're responsible. Uh, some of them I can I can skip out for if I have vacation time or something. And you but, made a good choice, I think, um, in in this situation. Yeah, you, know, but you said it was fine, right? Yeah, yeah. I think like maybe it's, also it's rewatching like, Lion King, like the the, the, the original help. didn't yeah. help going in beforehand. Yeah. But it truly is the definition of the only reason why they're making this movie is it's a cash grab. Yeah. And to push the visual effects. There's nothing else in this movie that is worth taking away other than that. Even the performances. I mean, I liked Billy Eichner and uh, Seth, Seth Rogen because they are trying something a little bit different. Um, they both fit those characters. Yeah, and very I well, like right? the idea of Chuatel Ejiofor as Scar, but it, his performance does, he's is not, not as flamboyant. No, yeah. no, and and Chiwetel can be. Yeah, I mean, look at his performance in Four Brothers. He is eating the scenery in that yeah. movie, and he's amazing. And that's what's great about Scar in that original. Yeah, how over the top Scar is. Like, oh, yeah, like he truly is like, a, a, yeah. a Shakespearean villain. Yeah, and this he's not. He's he's kind of playing it cool. And I, and again, I like Edge of Four a lot, and and he's he's a great actor. I just feel that. He wasn't go. He needed to be bigger. He needed to be even bolder than than Irons, and that's tough for anybody. But like, he just doesn't go there. He mm. kind of plays it low key and simmery and and, and kind of because I've listened to Be Prepared on the soundtrack, and even oh, then, I'm like, yeah, man, they killed it. Like, but but just, but even worse is Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Like, but between Beyonce and and Donald Glover, it just falls flat. Yeah, I heard they said it during the daytime. Yeah, and, which is also a weird choice, and um. And and also, I mean, like again, like going to the visuals, like yes, they are fantastic. But when they start talking, and when that kind of uncanny valley, well, kind the, of not shit. just the uncanny valley thing, but like some of the humor and expressions are lost, where you can really play with that in the cartoon the for, yeah. version in the in the two D animation one, where like when there's a joke that's to be had. And like a character makes a deadpan stare at another one, it just looks like a beautifully <laughs> a lion crafted at lion. lion. Yeah, yeah. And it just does not work. And then it is kind of jarring at first when you hear them talking and singing and singing. <laughs> yeah. And it just to me, it's it's the definition of being derivative. Like, yeah, you could just take your kids to the 4K looks amazing. Yeah, just to watch, watch that, that. Or, yeah. or or if they do watch it and like it, make sure that they see the original one as well and. And yeah, it just feels like it's there for you know to the make sake of billion dollars, <laughs> and and they will, and and it's gonna will. do it will, and 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 it, and it will do extremely well, and and people will will go out in droves and take their kids. But at the end of the day, this is one of the laziest Disney remakes I've seen. I mean, all of them have kind of been like that. Yeah, right? maybe but with the exception of again, Pete's Dragon. I'll keep you know beating, beating the drum, drum for that yeah. one because it truly does throw out the original narrative and does something it just new is inspired by it it's not yeah. a rehash like it still is the story yeah but, but it, it focuses more it's like you know when spielberg gave uh michael bay the 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 line of for transformers it's about a boy in his his robotic car, car yeah. um with with pete's dragon it's a boy in his dragon right you know yeah, no, I have to go back and rewatch Pete's Dragon. I wasn't in the right mood for it when I saw it the first time, but I do really like David Lowry, so 
I'm um, talking about a ghost story earlier in the in the show. Um, yeah, man, I'm I can't like even I tried to go to the screening that you went to and I wasn't able to because I had to cover for someone. But um, I wasn't too upset because I knew exactly what I was gonna get. Yeah, right? and then like I'm still like looking forward to it because I love Lion King so much and I do really want to see how they pull it off or whatever. And it doesn't seem like they. From the reviews I've seen online, I think that just the biggest criticism is like, "There's, we don't need this." Like, no, you we, yeah, you don't. Like, it's just in Aladdin, we felt the same way. Like, at best, Although, there. Really, I, I, God, I hate admitting this. I think I liked Aladdin more. Wow. Because, and, and I didn't like Aladdin, but I think Aladdin at, le- at, at least, least Will Smith yeah. is allowed to kind of do something, do something little, new with it yeah. and add his own style right this really does it's just the same movie yeah. yeah like i really do hope that the original screenwriters and the storyboard artists got paid <laughs> at, at least something because like it, it is very much shot for shot yeah the same film the dialogue with a couple exceptions here and there there's a couple sort of tweaks that they have to sort of make um that are more current that are culturally dated at yeah. this point but other than that, it's just the same song and dance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you're kind of curious as a fan to see how it's pulled off and how those scenes will be interpreted in a quote unquote live action version, which it isn't. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like you you just think you just think it's such a waste. Right. A waste of a lot of time and money. And yeah, and this might be great for like a breakthrough in technology down the line for another movie, but it feels like, well, why did I spend nearly two hours watching this when I could have been watching the original or watching something else? And and that's something that I think, again, Disney can be accused of is that they're not really taking that many risks. It would have been even more interesting if you would have done a – like I know they did two sequels to The Lion King as and well. And a TV Simba, show. Simba's Pride and, and shit like that. But like you could have done the legacy sequel thing too with a lot of these movies, at least maybe even with Lion King because this technically is animation. It's just an – advancement not even an advance it is an advancement but it's a different style of animation i don't want to say one is better than the other um it's just it is impressive and i think it's interesting um doing photorealistic animation because that's going to change the industry probably eventually right um but, but even jungle book favreau was able to sort of something scrap a little bit different some of the the original themes and, and go darker because yeah. the uh, the kipling novels were yeah. a little bit darker and then I just – I almost wish they would have just done a sequel if that makes sense, like a sequel to the original Lion King. Or a scrap, legacy quill, that, That's right? what I mean. Like yeah. scrap the um, the sequels to Lion – the directed DVD ones because no one Yeah, because it's Lion King 2 and then it's like Lion King 1 and a half and yeah. that's like Timon, Timon and, and Pumbaa. Pumbaa story. But then Timon and Pumbaa had their own yeah. TV show, yeah. which is weird because again, like it goes into that end of 22 Jump Street where like they get their own TV show eventually right. and the sidekick is the octopus. Yeah. It's, and it's like you focus – or even the real Ghostbusters with Slimer um, that like the, the two – you know, supporting the R2-D2 and C-3PO of Lion King get their own show on a right. weekly basis. But I would have almost just preferred if it's like, yep, yeah, the original Lion King is the original Lion King. This is a sequel to that. Different style of animation. Right. But it's now Simba grown up, like, and it's his kid or something. Just like, dude, fucking Simba's Pride or whatever the hell the sequels were. But they even have the... They had another animated show recently on Disney that is a sequel to the animated Lion King. It's like Simba's kid or kid's kid or something. And like... 
Yeah, it was um, the title. Simba's Sim- kids. I think kid. it was called the Lion Pride or Simba's. No, um, Matt's uh, looking it up as he's uh, Lion King show. But yeah, we will have a, a more in-depth review once Matt has seen the film and sort of go over it and yeah. and what have you. But yeah, I, I I was watching this and I was I was the Lion disappointed. Guard. The Lion Guard is a Disney XD show um, that. It's the second television series, the first being Timon and Pumbaa, yep. as you just mentioned. And it is – The Lion Guard is a sequel to The Lion King and takes place during the time gap within the 1998 film The Lion King 2 Simba's Pride. So I guess it's in between The Lion King and The Lion King 2 Simba's Pride. Wow. Um, They're just like squeezing in narratives wherever they can. Right. But this would – like. I'm trying to – I think we had the same discussion of like how you make – last week I think we talked about this, right? Because I suggested maybe you modernize Frozen and like uh, that was a dumb idea. But like, It's going to happen though. Um, oh, oh, I, I think like, like, like a live action. Oh, they will that. do that. I'm yeah, surprised but, they haven't. I mean I'm sure they will get to it at some point. Maybe we even talked about this on the show. I'm sure you brought it up. But I'm surprised that they haven't tried to uh, get any of the Pixar stuff. In live action? Yeah, like a live action version of Up or something like that. Uh, I – Bet you that will happen. I think before that we're gonna get the rest of the '90s stuff. So we'll get Tarzan and Hercules, and which I think are the next two, and Hunchback of Notre Dame. But what? But what about um, Oliver and Company and uh, the Rescuers? Yeah, Great Mouse Detective. I yeah. mean, we can. Mike has a whole bunch of yeah. uh, Disney oh, yeah, stuff that we right can over go there through. in that gigantic uh, thing. He's got a zillion of them. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I mean, at worst, I think they're pointless, and at. Uh, I mean, at worst. At best, they're pointless. Right. And I mean, they can be still like I. I still kind of liked um, Cinderella for what it was. I mean, I picked it yeah. up on four K. So, um, you know what? That's what I mean. Like, I don't think there's been any of them other than that. I've gone. Oh, that's a bad movie. Maleficent um, wasn't good. Maleficent, but, but that I mean, was at least the one that thing that was kind of a original. Sort of original. Yeah, it did something different with the narrative. Um, because I'm trying to think. Yeah, Pete's Dragon, Maleficent, I guess, are the two that kind of do something different. But most of them I've just been indifferent, if that makes Neutral. sense. Neutral. Yeah. Uh, what else have I been watching? Uh, I finished off Stranger Things uh, Season 3, or Stranger Things 3. Um, we had a, I think I was only a couple episodes in when we talked last. Crushed it. Yeah. I have a weird story about that, too. Did I, should I tell my sync story, too? Yes, but first... Uh, Justice for Alexi. Yeah. God bless Alexi. I love so, Alexi. Again, to preface to everyone, the company that I do work for uh, does some work for Netflix Canada. So take my opinions with a grain of salt. We get it, Matt. Um, they're paying you millions and millions not, of dollars. Uh, but I do love Stranger Things and I thought Stranger Things 3 was uh, fantastic. I really, really liked it. I, it's better it, than season two. Uh, 1,000%. Uh, I upgraded it from 100%. I see what you did there. Um, uh, yeah, it, I thought it was a huge improvement, a huge step up from – they took everything that worked in the first two seasons, amped that up, and took everything that didn't work from the second season. And scrapped it. And scrapped it. So um, we got back to what we wanted, which is hanging out in Hawkins with these kids and these group of characters that we um, uh, enjoyed. We got rid of the X-Men storyline in the in the second one. And uh, I don't know, dude. It's Again, it was what we talked about. We don't have to go too in detail, but I thought it ended really well, and I thought the climax was great. And um, I 
I really just think it's really, really solid popcorn entertainment. And yes, it's nostalgia porn. And yes, it's just rehashing a bunch of things we've seen in other movies from that era and, and throughout. But um, I think that's okay. Like we had this conversation off air of being like, if this does anything to just introduce some of these kids that are watching Stranger Things to that other stuff that it's basically st- stealing from or ripping off. Right. Well, you um, just mentioned the stuff. Yeah. How many kids are going to go back and see Larry Cohen's The Stuff? I mean, who knows, man? But, like, uh, we talked about Cronenberg with the body horror in this and the goop monster. and yeah, like fleshy. Uh, yeah, fleshy the goop monster is what I like to call him or you we combined. But it's – I really thought it was thoroughly enjoyable and that's, like – Yeah, uh, it's entertaining and, 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 and again, like, I, I have more criticisms of it. But if you can get through it in less than a week or, in my case, a day, that says something about it. And I yeah. do think that the strongest aspect of this season – that's that's new is Maya Hawk, Maya Hawk and she's um, great. Her character re- relationship, Robin with with Steve. I think yeah. that them together and Dustin. And, and Dustin but and I Erica. really think there's an emotional beat. You probably know what I'm talking about. Um, in the bathroom. They, in the bathroom, and it, yeah. and it just it it feels like it's a genuinely great piece of coming of age acting for there. both of them. Yeah, like you see growth between both characters in that scene. Yeah, and Steve's becoming and, an interesting character to me because you strip away the the high school douchiness entitlement. Yeah. And now he's becoming an interesting character because he doesn't have that anymore. He doesn't have his daddy's money. He doesn't. Well, it's the theme of growing up throughout the whole show, right? Like even though it's only been three years since the first season in in this timeline, that shows you how much kids age from in their adolescence. I mean now the the cast of kids are now going to be like 45 like in the the fourth or fifth season. Yeah. But yeah. And then going back to Maya Hawke, like I mean she is is amazing in it, but it's also scary how much she looks like – like Uma Thurman yeah, and sounds even like sounds her. like yeah. her. I know. I kept thinking that you were mentioning Pulp Fiction. I was thinking of Kill Bill, obviously. Yeah, Dangerous like, Liaisons. Yeah, like, and just yeah. like it, it, it is crazy sometimes with her just like the way that she speaks that I'm like oh, – like it's weird because you're like, yeah, that's how fucking children work. That's right. the joke of being like – yeah, she sounds like her mom and looks like her mom, of course. And then with a little Ethan Hawke in there. Yeah, she but. has some some sort of like like ticks that mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke has, like especially like watching all the before movies. Like you can see mm-hmm. certain ways that she'll kind of maybe move her head or sort of yeah. adjust herself and then and and that's what Ethan Hawke always does. But I hope she becomes a huge star, man. I, I do think too. She's I mean, great. I was talking about that like, Sofia Coppola wanted to use her as as Little uh, Mermaid. As, and, yeah, and in the Universal version. Yeah, and that many years ago that didn't work out. Yeah. and now I'm hoping after this that I mean she's going to be appearing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, and she's in. Uh, um, speaking of Coppola, she's in uh, Gia Coppola's next movie, her follow up to uh, Paulo Alto. Okay, uh, called Mainstream with uh, uh, Andrew Garfield. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, can't wait to see more from her, but yeah, the whole Dustin, Steve, Robin, Erica storyline, I think is some of the best. Can't stuff spell here. America without Erica. With, uh, yeah. Like it's, it was a little much and Alexi. Like her, her, yeah. And Alexi and like, there's a lot to really love in the show. And like, and I, I think it's great that they were able to kind of expand on that. And then what, and the fo- the focus is on 11 and, and will and, and, um, and and the, the upside down and things like that, but I liked how the season split everyone up into the teams that people wanted to see them with, right? right. And Although some of those subplots do fall flat a little bit, or it's like the ones that you don't like as much, you kind of are waiting to get back to the ones that you do. I agree. So like the stuff with uh, Natalia Dyer and and yeah. Charlie, what's his name, Heaton. Heaton. Yeah, I just didn't like. I felt like I it was so on the, the nose. Yeah, and I think. 
and even with 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 Hopper, like the stuff with him taking on Carrie Elwes's mayor and sort of dealing with capitalism, sort of taking over small town America and mom yeah. and pop shop. Like it's it's written not only to be on the nose, but like it's all this it's all subtext. Yeah, for twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, uh, I yeah, which is fine, but um. Yeah, I did the Hopper stuff. I love him as a character. I just felt like the him and Joyce a lot of the times back and forth was a little too much for me. And trying to get them um, together, it's just yeah, kinda, like it, you can see the writing, right? Like you just see the writers' room, and like some of it when it like breaks, not breaks the fourth wall, but you start to kind of see how the show is put together. Like you said, when it's a bit too on the nose, or you know how they're putting people together like that, and it seems a bit forced. Yeah. Um, so some of their dialogue back and forth, but I did like the Alexi stuff. And, um, and then when you get the other group of kids and it's just showing, I, I really, I did feel this deep, like sadness a little bit too. And like, that's how I guess nostalgia both can work in in a good and bad way. It makes you, yearn for your childhood or whatever but like right. then it makes Although we you didn't start grow to, up in the 80s sure right? but it so. still just reminded me of friendships that i had in the 90s right. and like i guess 90s and early 2000s which would be would be when we were uh in this age range probably late 90s early yeah. 2000s um but it made me just miss that like i remember hanging out in the basement and just eating cereal and talking about bullshit and just like but it's just elevated obviously because there's some demon coming after you but right like, i just wish those, yeah the demon is 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 the future um or representative yeah. of, of 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 you know progress but i just wish that a lot of that wasn't in the will character because right. that performance isn't as strong where the other thing i think they really improved on or brought more depth to was um Descartes montgomery's character and yeah. sort of his arc in this season because they just made him in in season two kind of the macho bully. And then at the end of season two, they kind of hinted at something more, but they left it hanging in an awkward kind of way that was going to give him more depth or at least make you understand or or sympathize with, with him a little bit. Yeah. And then this season, what they do with him, I think, is actually kind of interesting and sort of how that character plays out. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. So, yeah, I mean, if you guys haven't watched it yet um, – I mean, I'm sure you probably have, but it's definitely worth a watch. And as you put it, like, yeah, there's some criticisms there, but like, I think it's one of the easiest eight hours that I've spent in in a quite a long time. Right. <laughs> like, it was just such an easy watch, and I can't even say that sometimes about a movie that's two and a half hours or, or an hour and a half. So right. if something can keep my attention for eight hours and make me want to keep coming back to finish it very quickly, and like. And me and you are really horrible with television in general. Right. It takes us a while to get into something. And then for me, I stop very easily and just don't go back to things until much, much later. But um, this is, yeah, it's excellent. I I really do think it's, it's... and it's astonishing considering Solid. that, you know, someone like Sean Levy is directing episodes yeah. of this show and you're kind of like, yeah, I'll watch another one. <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, but I think, I don't know, in, in something like this, I think he works. Um, I mean, I, I, I've, I've interviewed Sean Levy. He seems like a really nice guy and he actually is a good producer. He produced Arrival um, and he kind of – he started as an 80s actor. Like yeah. he was a, t- a teen actor in the 80s and um, – he yeah like i mean he knows real what steel. works real steel but like i mean like he also was um he was in a really bad adam west uh was it zombie nightmare 
uh, was the name of it. They parodied it on uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. And uh, so he's been around for a long time. But yeah, I feel that the uh, performance or, or his producing skills are a lot better than his directing skills. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Especially um, considering it's, you know, the guy who did Cheaper by the Dozen 1 and 2. Oh, God. Did he? Yeah. I did not know that. Um, but, yeah, I, I really think it's one of the most enjoyable watches of the year. And um, I would be putting it, um, if it was a, if you consider it a film, um, which you don't. But um, it's one of the most. Oh, you're number two. Yeah, why not? I watched Bearable. it. It's I Saturday. Watched it it's, it's all good, bro. Um Anything else you've been watching? Yeah, I mean, I just I, I missed the uh, TIFF screening of it. Um, they uh, Colin Gettys had a screening of uh, The Hidden recently. Yes, um, I wanted to go to that, but I, didn't I did end too. Up going and I, and The Hidden's one of those movies that I really loved as a kid. Speaking of eighties uh, nostalgia, I mean, it's a cult film. But I remember wa- this is one of those movies I watched with my uncle. Uh, when I was younger, and he's like, hey, Eric, have you ever seen this movie? And, uh, you know, like films like Blue Velvet and stuff like that. But The Hidden is basically... Stuff he shouldn't be showing you. But... Yeah. Um, but The Hidden's not as bad or, yeah. or inappropriate. Like, it's still R-rated and what have you, but it's um, a fun kind of cops and robbers invasion of the body snatchers mashup with Kyle McLaughlin basically playing kind of a prototype version of... Uh, Cooper. Oh, yeah. Because he plays an FBI agent who's chasing down this alien entity with the help of a local police officer in LA who's played by Michael Nuri. Um, and so they kind of go on the hunt, and, and the alien uh, jumps into one body uh, to another. And the effects are, are of its time, but the practical effects are still kind of cool because what it does is it, you know, the, the jaw of the person's mouth. Um, opens and you see the the creature, the slug like creature, jump into another person's mouth, and it enters into uh, num a numerous uh, amount of people and animals, uh, including a, a dog and a stripper. So, okay, cool. And, and and it uses the body. I don't know why and, you put the stripper in the animal category. You well, stripper and, 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 <laughs> I know, and animal. Okay. Um, <laughs> Just naming a few. And then, yeah, and it's it's a fun action movie. Uh, it's directed by Jack Shoulder, who did Nightmare on Elm Street. Jack Shoulder. Jack Shoulder. What a great name. <laughs> who directed Nightmare on Elm Street 2. <laughs> right. Um, and it also has a couple interesting uh, uh, cameos. One connection to um, Twin Peaks, other than Kyle McLaughlin, is the first person that has been – um, possessed by the entity is Chris Mulkey, who is uh, played Norma's abusive husband in the original run of Twin Peaks. Right, and then he was also the uncle in the the dinner scene in Whiplash. Okay, um, and then the other cameo that's kind of really interesting that he's in it for like five seconds is Danny Trejo. Okay, and this movie was made in nineteen eighty seven. Right, so he's playing a prisoner who gets destroyed by Sounds one of the people right. that is possessed or. Host a host to the to the alien. Cool. Where'd you watch it? Just... Oh, I just have a Blu-ray. Oh, you do? Yeah, okay. Warner Archive released it last year on Blu-ray. Cool. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. It's cool. great. I I love it a lot. You, I think you'd kind of. Enjoy I think it I would well. dig it. Yeah, I, I, it was out of all the Kino Vortex stuff that uh, Gettys has put on at Lightbox. It's the one that I was actually contemplating going to. Although I feel like each one of those screenings would be fun. It's just uh, I like that Tiff is doing stuff like that. I think they need to do more of that kind of like. Yeah, I would love um, to see what Peter Kapowski would yeah. do as a programmer year round, like actually yeah. have similar 
um, screenings. Saturday night kind of things. Yeah. Because Kino Vortex is only once a month, right? Yeah. So I feel like each Saturday they should get a different programmer to kind of do some Or even Saturday, on a Friday like, night, like Friday yeah. night Fright Flick. Yeah, exactly. You know, like like start getting some horror people involved or, or genre, genre stuff or action stuff. You could have a different theme for each week, right? If yeah. you wanted to, just to kind of change it up. And like, I mean, I'll give them a shout out um, for the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood screening that they're doing. Unfortunately, the, it's off sale already, so it doesn't matter to you guys listening if you didn't get tickets. But um, I, I really think that they need to do more of that stuff just because look at how quickly – and the do the right thing with Spike Lee that they're doing is yeah. awesome as well. And like I know that, yeah, you can't always get a great filmmaker like Spike Lee to come in for something, but programming like the that Tarantino L.A trilogy i'm using quotes it's not really a trilogy or even lulu wong coming for the farewell yeah and they are doing more and more of that stuff yeah. which is really cool or programming last black man in san francisco and stuff like that but um you can see how like that do the right thing and the once upon a time in hollywood s- sold out in like minutes for members only it's not even on sale to the public yet and uh or it was supposed to on friday but they had no tickets left did the farewell sell out i don't think it is yet okay because that is worth um, checking out if 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 it has it might pick up have a i don't know because I'm, I'm contemplating going to that um i'd like to get nevis's opinion on that movie. yeah i think she would really like it um so maybe she'll go check it out but um yeah because like i love their year-round programming i just think it needs a little bit of uh i, I think it needs to skew younger a little right. bit like that's i guess my biggest problem so you feel like, like it, once upon a time and and movies yeah like that will or skewing a little bit a little bit younger you're still in that cinephile territory that you want to be in right but like and i know but they, it's more accessible in a weird way yes that's what i mean i think they just need to be a little bit more accessible and i'm trying to speak from the side of like there are a lot of film fans that don't necessarily and i know this sounds bad but they don't want to just watch older retro stuff or retrospective stuff or art house stuff or foreign stuff, right? I think that's all valuable. I just think they need a balance of that stuff mixed with a little bit more. It's the one for them, one for us kind of thing yeah. where like you can still have all that programming, but you know, to make some money to... and to get people interested, yeah. you need to have a once upon a time in Hollywood esque screening every now and then to sort of, you know, and then showcase the other stuff that you have and try yeah. to get people interested in that. Cause then you can advertise that at that kind of screening. Right. Exactly. And like, I think that's just been my biggest problem with Lightbox. Like I, and I think it's hard to convince your everyday movie goer to go see a movie that, that is old in a theater. Like, I just right when they can just say, "Oh, I'll just watch it at home." Yeah, you're, it's hard enough to convince people to go to the theater to see something brand new. So I just feel like it's very hard to. Con- you'll get like, you'll get the people like us or the hardcore Toronto film people that go to a lot of these retrospective and cinematech screenings and things like that. But um, even I, who I love seeing movies at Lightbox, I'm just like, ah, God, do I want to go over to watch? Uh, Again, like even they have the whole David Lynch thing on right now, and there's a lot that I want to go see. I just like convince myself not to go almost right. like going like I could just watch that on Criterion or something or or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think they just need to revamp their year round programming a little bit. Like I think they've done a good job at the festival for doing the one for you, one for me thing. Like programming, like I think they have a lot of varied. I think people gave them shit because they were programming a lot of shit. Right. Uh, but they've gotten a little bit better with that. But they like, are getting a wider audience for the festival because that's – I mean that's 
going to attract, you know, uh, the public as well. Like it's not just for film critics, right? Yeah. So they're trying to open it up as broadly as possible. Um, That's why I don't mind them programming some broad stuff, right? But like and like with the galas, especially right, where like those are the, the movies yeah. where you're kind of well with special presentations. It's it's it always kind of more weirder. of a medley. Yeah. Like yeah. it feels like okay, like some of these movies do make sense that they're you know special special presentations in terms of the programming, but they're still kind of you know interesting. Where I find that the gala section is always like the movies that are going to be opening in the next couple of months or the, the films that stars, wouldn't play yeah. at a festival unless it was this big. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I mean the the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thing is awesome. I'm skipping the press screening to go see it at that screening, which is still good. We get to see it or I'll still get to see it early. It'll be that day that we record um, for the announcements. But um, pretty pumped about that. I just want them to do more of that. I would love to program something with you even like there if we ever have the opportunity of doing like, hey, just give us once a month like you do with Colin Geddes and like give us one day a month where we can program something or a double feature or something like that. And, and then they I, also what, – what's the other program that they have that Norm Wilner hosts? Uh, now see, uh, the Secret Movie Club. See, sometimes that's also kind of a crapshoot as well because one, you don't know what they're going to program until the morning of, and then two, a lot of it is unfortunately because the like time of year, it's, it's yeah, it's 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 stuff that'll be streaming in like a week or two. Yeah, and not saying that the quality of the movie is bad. It's just like again, like it's it's almost a letdown. Yeah, I agree. I used to go to that quite often, and the odd time they program, but they are programming for a very particular audience with that they're early mornings on sundays and i've always said that what peter should do if i have a proposal for him is do that exact same thing secret movie club but call it like Mi secret movie club midnight madness or something and right. do it once a month at midnight the midnight like madness society yeah or something yeah like something like that right where it's the same thing where you're programming a midnight movie every month like secret movie club but it's more for a younger crowd because Secret Movie Club in the mornings skews quite old. Right. And they like a particular style of movie, and um, uh, which is kind of what you're talking about. So, right. Um, not to shit talk anyone's programming for that, that series, because I know it's probably one very difficult to get an unreleased film. Yeah, and um, one that doesn't play at TIFF, right? Yeah, like that's and, part of the mandate. No, not always. Oh, it isn't? No. Oh, okay. Like it doesn't have to play at Lightbox or anything. A lot of the time. No, no, no. Is, I meant like at the festival. Yeah. I thought like that that was part of their thing where they, they had to have movies that didn't repeat. Oh, yeah. Yes, you are correct there. They try not to. Right. So, so there's no overlap. Yeah, because they know a lot of the people who are attending this go to the festival every year and might have seen the movie. So like if they're doing a movie that played the festival, which they try not to, they usually send an email to everyone and be like, hey, we saw on your account that you've already seen this movie. So – don't come this week and we'll refund you that ticket. So right. They're pretty good about that. And I've seen some good stuff, but like Wonderstruck um, was, was I loved Wonderstruck. Yeah, I did too. But then the whole audience didn't. <laughs> so like it was like one of the worst reviewed because they get like surveys afterwards of like which movies the crowd liked and didn't like. Right. And Wonderstruck was the one where like everyone in that theater fucking hated it and I liked it. And I'm like, it's the only one I've seen here that I actually like really liked in the secret movie club. So um, this is why we can't have nice things. And then this year was, yeah, like you said, it was very weird. They programmed a lot of like direct to iTunes stuff. And, yeah. 
I think um, the Mustang was the only one that I was kind of right. like, oh, good for them. And that was the last yeah. movie of, of the season. Yeah. So the odd time they get – and the Mustang makes sense for that crowd too. But, right. Although that um, movie is still not like – I just burped right into the microphone. <laughs> nice. I probably should have turned away. <laughs> like Homer Simpson this over here. This brought to you by Budweiser. Um but even though the the must like the Mustang is I guess more conventional than say Wonderstruck, it still has a kind of detached European style, and that's because of the filmmaker. Right, but that crowd eats some of that shit up. So, uh, all right, for staying at home, Eric, what are your suggestions for this week? So, uh, my uh, staying at home uh, suggestions or recommendations are moon themed. Uh, first one is uh, Moon, which is now available on 4K. I love Moon. Uh, it's good. It's good. Sam Rockwell, uh, it's a great showcase for him. Uh, Duncan Jones's best movie, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's been a sad decline. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I kind of like I Source like Code. Him, but um, I don't mind it, but um, I still haven't seen Mute. I got, I, I keep. Oh, wow. Watching. You haven't yet. No. It I, is not good. <laughs> it's the one movie where I remember being so excited about it Same. and hearing him pitch it. Yeah. But then after hearing people talk about it, it's just one that I just, I. You know what? I don't think I hated it. I just see. remember, I remember texting you after and I'm like, it's kind of just nothing. Right. Like, it's also long too. Yeah, right? I think so. Or it's over two hours. Yeah. But. I mean, and you didn't dislike, uh, I was going to say Warhammer, but, uh. Oh, Warcraft. Warcraft. You know yeah. what? I was in the right mood for Warcraft. I saw it in Europe a couple weeks before it came out in North America. Yeah. In Ger- Germany or Austria. Uh, went to an English language theater and it was kind of fun. But um, you know what? Warcraft, I-, I don't know. Like it's weirdly, I think for me, one of the better video game adaptations but that's maybe because i had literally zero attachment to warcraft right and i usually don't like shit like that either but yeah you're not a um, fantasy no and i mean again have never thought about that movie can't tell you a single thing that happened in it yeah um but i remember watching it with nevis in europe and we were both were like that was okay yeah and then that was pretty much my end of my thoughts on it yeah and and yeah again like i think you said it perfectly is that you like him as a filmmaker and a personality more than his movies and you're always kind of rooting for him and and you want him to do well and i think he does have a really great movie in him somewhere but it's just been kind of disappointing like i think moon is the best but moon's more like a great kind of calling card film yeah um I remember not knowing much about Moon, and I was working with my Uncle Mark uh, on I Could Do That. And this ties in because I can give him a shout-out right after Yeah, this. it's all Moon-themed. Uh, yeah, it is. And I remember work, working with him because uh, it, it was 2008, right? Nine. Nine, because it was the same year as Inglorious Bastards because yep. I also saw that um, with that crew because I was working on a television show called I Could Do That on the Discovery Channel. I was working as a grip um on that show feel my grip um, and a camera assistant and uh i would make like with anything i work on i make the people that i go work with if we're traveling go to the movies <laughs> um <laughs> so i remember seeing moon with my uncle mark and 35 millimeter in sudbury i want to say or inglorious bastards might have been in sudbury and we were somewhere else because we went around canada doing this show in different locations but i remember seeing moon with my uncle mark not knowing much about it and um, and really, really digging it is like an indie sci-fi um, flick. And, uh, yeah, with a great performance by Sam Rockwell. And, uh, Some would say two. 
the spoilers. Um, I yeah. mean, it was in the trailers. It's, yeah, it was in the trailers that there's an, there's there's another. No, it's not. Because that was like a, a big surprise. Because in the trailers, you just think he's stranded by himself. Really? Yeah. I'm, well, we can watch the trailer I after swear. this. Um, we'll see who's right, and we'll, we'll report back next week. I am sorry um, if I spoiled a ten-year-old movie. No, I don't care that you spoiled it. But I no don't for the people think, that are listening. That I don't seen think it, in maybe. the in the trailer that they. Uh, and we're, we're still don't no one will know what the hell we're talking about right um so yeah i really enjoyed moon and then yeah shout out to my uncle mark who um is co-directing a uh, uh a film about the moon landing and called lunar from looking Shit. at me like i know <laughs> i have the title on it's playing at the ontario science science center starting july 20th and it's about the canadian involvement in the moon landing um so it'll be playing at the Ontario Science Center from July 20th um, uh, onwards uh, for a little bit. Matt's um, typing right now to find yeah, out. Sorry, I'm trying to. Uh, sorry, Uncle Mark. <laughs> no, he just, I was talking to him today about it because we were talking about wedding stuff. And then, but he was um, very humble about it. Like, I remember he was telling me a little bit about the project back in, what was it, December or January that it might play the Science Center. And he kind of just like didn't make a big deal out of it. Yeah. It kind of is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he posted about it cause they have like a full page ad in a newspaper. I saw it today. It's called lunar and I don't know what the subtitle is. I forget. Um, right. it's on my Instagram story at Matt Rohrbeck. Go, go look at it there. Um, but July 20th, I think he'll be doing a Q and a or someone will be talking about it. Uh, and he's, he's a great personality as well. Like yeah, he's he is. really engaging and articulate and maybe we can get him on the show. <laughs> Yeah, we were thinking about that if we can, but um, we'll see if it works out for next week. Next week's kind of a crazy episode. We'll we'll talk about it at some point. Yeah. um, Oh, Nevis just sent me a photo from uh, Pula for the premiere of Lion King. I think that they're doing there. It looks really cool in the Coliseum. Um, I'll show Eric while we're so Pula being in Croatia Um, for people that that, that, that don't know. Oh wow! Like it's in the Coliseum, and that's where the movie premiere is. uh, which is a really, really cool venue for that. I've always wanted to go to a, a film there. Um, yeah, and then, sorry, you were... Yeah, so then my, my second themed... Well, I would recommend your, your, your uncle's film we as well. We haven't seen it yet. I mean, he's sight gonna, unseen, but he's I'm gonna sure it's worth it. He's going to send us a screener of it. Yeah. And we won't do a review because I feel like that's the conflict of interest, yeah. but we'll talk about it on the show. Um, but that's exciting, and, and anybody that's in toronto or in around ontario that wants to go to the science center and check it out please do and yeah. let me know what you think uh and then the other uh recommendation that i have this week uh shout factory sent me um the complete series box set of space 1999 matt i don't know if you know this but on september 13th 1999 according to this series that came in the mid 1970s uh on september 13th the moon went out of earth's orbit and went far into space chasing the planet called meta or at least that's the pitch in the pilot episode starring uh martin landau and barbara bain okay and it's this really cheesy 70s specific series that obviously came a few years after the actual moon landing and kind of plays into the Star Trek campiness of, you know, uh, miniatures and sets and psychedelic colors and stuff like that. But it's a lot of fun. Um, it only lasted two seasons, but it kind of had a cult following, not as strong as Star Trek, but 
in between Trek and Battlestar Galactica. It was kind of what a lot of sci-fi fans really gravitated towards. And it was one of Martin Landau's first big roles before he went on to, you know, work with people like Tim Burton and yeah. get an Oscar for playing Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood. And, and it, yeah, it's 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 a great series. The, the box set is really fantastic. It's filled with a lot of uh, old archival interviews from uh, the show's creators, Jerry and Sylvia uh, Anderson. Um, it's a good time. And, it, and, it, and it, if you're looking for something that is really like sci-fi 70s, this is perfect. Cool. I have no idea what that is. But, the intro um, is amazing. I should show yeah. you the intro afterwards. Like right, It's cool. <laughs> so perfectly 70s. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I will check that out with you. Uh, for me on digital, uh, all of these in the iTunes Canada store. Sorry for everyone who buys their movies anywhere else but there. <laughs> that's where I buy mine. So that's the deals you're getting. Well, you're shit out of um, luck. I thought this was really clever marketing from Apple and probably Warner Brothers. Um, the never-ending story in HD is $5 on iTunes. Speaking of um, Stranger Things. Yes. Uh, so I thought that was just a very clever way of probably getting $5 out of a lot of people, myself including. <laughs> so. Right. I picked it up. I was like, you know what? $5. I haven't seen NeverEnding Story since I was a kid. I remember that um, being traumatizing with the horse. Yeah, I haven't. God, I barely remember it, but I remember Poor it. Poor Atreyu. Um, I remember uh, NeverEnding Story, and I remember, um, God, the uh, the Indian in the cupboard. Ooh. <laughs> like, remember that? Yeah, Is that what it was called? Yep. And, yeah, I just remember that VHS case with the key. Do you remember that? Yep. That's why. Yeah, that probably might not hold up t- today. Probably a little problematic. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that's never-ending story from, though. From a, a lot kid. of fun. Oh, it is, and I I, wa- I can't wait to rewatch it because like. Do you remember the wolf? Um, barely, fuck. man. Yeah, I rem- I just remember the theme and. The oh, there's fucking, a reference also. Spe- not um, just in in uh, uh, Stranger Things, but Stuber as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There is. Yeah. <laughs> never-ending yeah. story. Yeah. It's coming back, and it's interesting because that was Wolfgang Peterson who um, before that directed Daz Boot, which is the submarine movie, and then he would go on to direct the remake of Poseidon. Yeah, I do remember that. Or the Poseidon Adventure, yeah. Um, a movie no one else will suggest to you guys to pick up, but I will. Holmes and Watson is $10 on iTunes in 4K, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, unnecessary. Or it's a 99-cent rental. You might be better off with the 99-cent rental. I think it's almost worth 99 cents. Right. Have you watched it yet? No, I haven't. I will it's, at some point. You know what? I think people gave it a a hard time. Like, I feel like it's, what do you, like, I don't know. It's Will Ferrell, John C. Riley. Like, it's so stupid and poorly made, but, like, that's exactly what I expected. <laughs> Bringing endorsement. That's exactly what I expected from but, it. But so. I find that the Adam McKay stuff with them is, is at is, least a little bit. It's well crafted. Yeah. Like, I mean, he doesn't get a lot of credit for his his comedies, obviously, but like we've talked about this before. They get better with every rewatch. Like, I was actually talking to uh, to Kyle, who rewatched uh, the other guys recently again. God, I love and that, that movie. Gets, it's it's yeah. now a classic, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, just the TLC lines are amazing. From Michael Keaton, <laughs> yeah, Michael Keaton is amazing in that. Uh, I wouldn't put Holmes and Watson on that level. No, but, I mean, if you from like, the guy who directed Get Hard, yeah, if you like these guys and their chemistry together, and like if you just know what you're getting into, I just feel like. It's at least mildly enjoyable. Like, I don't know, for 99 cents, like, it's stupid. If you just want the lowest common denominator of comedy and, like, and a satire on Sherlock Holmes, like, I, 
I, I like the commentary that they had there of like he wasn't even that smart. It's just how stupid everyone was back then. Right. Like he was an idiot, but he was just slightly less of an idiot than everyone else. Um, that which made him seem like a genius. Um, but also was still a dumbass. Well, it can't be um, any worse than uh, the sequel to Sherlock Holmes, The Book of Shadows. Yeah, I haven't. I uh, I own it because they both were in 4K, and I'm, right. I I haven't watched. Third it one's either. coming out too. They just announced that Dexter Fletcher's. Yeah, I don't have that in the news, so we might as well just talk about that now. But yeah, Dexter Fletcher signed on to do Sherlock Holmes three. Although he, I mean, he started his career in a Guy Ritchie movie, so it makes perfect sense. Okay, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, I purchased uh, Forrest Gump in five for five bucks in Dolby Vision in 4K. <laughs> so uh, you know what I? I think Forrest Gump kind of gets a bad rap too. Yeah, like, I mean it's not like I understand why people hate on it because it beat out a lot of probably Pulp better, Fiction, yeah, Shawshank Redemption, yeah, like much better films. But yeah, I don't. I think it because of that it gets a a worse rap than it deserves. Yeah. And and compared to his recent stuff. Zemeckis's recent movies, it's a masterwork. <laughs> yeah. I still like it too. I, I find it kind of charming and and sweet and naive in its own way. And um yeah, I, I would agree on on it, it gets I mean it, it kind of does deserve it in the sense that those other movies are better films. <laughs> yeah. But it's still a good film. I still yeah. like it. It's, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's not uncool to like Forrest Gump. Which some people will tell you it is. Yeah. And it, they think they're cool for not liking yeah. Forrest Gump. And I'm like, it's – fuck you. Yeah. Like, Lieutenant it's, Dan, it's, man. Yeah, come on. Forrest Gump's enjoyable. So Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, you know, you can go <laughs> – I can't believe that spun off from that movie. Into I like went a, to one of those in, oh, so in, did I. in, in uh, and San I, Francisco. I went in Orlando, man. <laughs> like you got to. When you see a Bubba Gump, you're just like, well, I kind of have to do this. And they do like random Forrest Gump trivia every time you're there and you're like – what is this place? Why does this exist? Um, but you know what? Not that bad. Not that good. No. But just like Forrest Gump. <laughs> no, I'd say Forrest Gump the movie's better. It's better than the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Um, but hey, we don't have any Bubba Gumps in Canada. But no. If you're near I mean, Bubba we, Gump, The only thing we have is, is and it's American anyways, is Swiss Chalet. Not Swiss Chalet. No, uh, Red Canadian. Lobster. Red Lobster is American, yeah. yes. Do we have any Canadian sort of seafood places that are chain related seafood specific yeah no i okay. don't think so i'm trying to think we i could be wrong someone else maybe there's somewhere in the maritimes in. that yeah. has like a kind of like a chain or... maybe uh yeah red lobster would be the only one you can get a lot of seafood at chain restaurants obviously. oh yeah yeah no i'm just saying like something that's themed like the way that bubba bubba gump is, gump is here a bunch of shrimp a bucket of shrimp man and some guy, some teenager will come over and ask you Forrest Gump trivia. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on to talking trailers. Uh, not a ton of trailers, but we do have kind of an exclusive. Not an exclusive, but... I mean, if you went to the movie um, theaters to see Kroll this weekend, you'll, then you'll... You've seen this yeah. trailer. Let's start there. So, yeah, uh, Eric and I both saw Crawl in public showings this weekend because they did not screen it for press. And it is the only place you can watch the trailer for Blumhouse's The Hunt. Uh, directed by Craig Zobel. Yeah, who did uh, Great World of Sound and Z Z for Zachariah. And uh, written by Damon Lindelof and don't know his son's name. Nick Cuse, which is Carlton Cuse's son. So you got sort of a lost reunion here. 
Lost but, light. Yeah, diet loss. Diet <laughs> um, lost zero. Uh, which kind of gets me excited because I, you know how much I'm a lost fanboy, and I. No, I, you I, won't I, shut up about um, it. Hughes and Lindelof were my my boys back in the day. I listened to the Lost podcast every week that they were that they did. Um, I was obsessed with those motherfuckers, and then when they spin off, when they I still of, like Damon Lindelof too. Uh, I like both of them really. Like again, I haven't gotten into much that they've done since, other than like we do defend Damon Lindelof because I another well, Prometheus, person, another well. person that kind of gets a bad rap. Yeah, right? um, his love of Twin Peaks is also very endearing. Yeah, and uh, so the hunt being. Um, uh, a movie that we compared to, obviously the Purge and the Condemned. Yeah, um, and I mean, even going back to like the most, the most dangerous game and Battle Royale. Yes, and and uh, Running Man, like movies yeah. like that, where you have a group of people being hunted by others, and it looks like it's like low class Southerners being hunted by elitist types, yeah. uh, sort of. The program has been created by Hilary Swank's character, who's only just recently announced uh, to the cast. But, I mean, I'm sure um, she was already originally a part of it during pre-production. But it was very similar to when um, the first trailers came out for The First Purge that Marissa Tomei was was the creator of of The Purge. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, what did you think? I I kind of – dug the trailer like, i didn't again, mind it yeah. i didn't mind it. i mean it does definitely look like a cheap blumhouse production in some ways i i think it could be uh a, a bloody satirical good time i mean the cast is more i guess recognizable than the purge sequels because i mean the first purge had ethan hawk and lena uh hetty yeah um Ike Barinholtz. Ike Barinholtz, uh, uh betty gilpin who was in stuber as uh kumail's uh, friend with benefits, right? Um, yeah. There was oh, Amy Madigan was in the beginning of the trailer. Um, there was somebody else as well that kind of actually looks like um, Sawyer from Lost. Yeah, uh, the guy from This Is Us, right? Uh, right. Josh Hartley or something. Okay. Like that. Yeah, but uh, it's basically these people are kidnapped, dropped in a remote location, and then hunted by. Oh, and yeah, hostile like, too, yeah. even a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it Hostel always reminds me of that Simpsons episode where is it Rainier Wolfcastle is like uh, the we have to go hunt for the dangerous the most dangerous animal man and then yeah. he cocks the, well that's what the most dangerous uh, game is yeah, it's about yeah. a guy who lives on this island who hunts people for sport they even yeah. it's even referenced in um, uh, Zodiac right okay um, yeah kind of looking forward to this it was a, a violent R rated trailer. Um, Probably gave away too much, but yeah. um, I'm hoping that – for me, if I just watch a trailer once, I usually forget about the nitty-gritty And, and it's details, funny because but. the trailer isn't online and it's very similar to Happy Death Day to You where the trailer was released with – I think it was Halloween and it didn't actually uh, – wasn't made available online until – Almost January. I can appreciate that, though, because not very many people or studios do that anymore. Yeah. Right? Like, now, do you think this is connected to The Purge? I, you made a great point when you brought that up earlier when we when I was eating Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, and you were having sushi. Yep. Um, that reminds me of that video I retweeted that was like, there are two types of cinephiles, and it was Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal. His love of I'm Toy the, Story 2. I'm the Taco Bell, and you're the sushi. Yeah. I like Toy Story 2, though, as well. I know. I, I don't mean that... But I, I know what you're saying, like right? The populist answer versus the, the elitist cin- yeah. cinephile answer. Both are great movies. Right. I love 2001 as well. I, it was more of a joke, but right. it's just uh, 
Um, I thought that <laughs> good was good old Tom Holland. So yeah, we were talking while I was eating Taco Bell and doing some work on the side. Um, Can't we combine those two together? Sushi Bell? Taco Bell Sushi? I don't know what that would be. Oh, but. man. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be fresh. A Taco Bell Sushi Burrito? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I could see that being a twist in the movie. like uh, Because it looks like it takes place in Europe. There was a section where... Uh, they rip off a license plate, and ironically, it was a Croatian license plate. Holy fuck! Uh, I know what's going to happen to when me you in go June. to my wedding. Yeah, that's my whole elaborate plan. This is it's your just, midsummer. This is the hunt. <laughs> um, I think it was a Croatian license plate. So my thing is like maybe it's the purge, but it's taking place European in, vacation. Yeah, basically. Right. You know, well, like, and especially because. Now with the Purge series, the third one in, in, in the franchise was the end of the Purge. The first they went back to the beginning of it. So now you could either say that this is sort of like somewhere in between those movies or that the Purge – like this is what the Purge is like internationally. Yeah. So maybe it's – yeah, I have no idea. But I could see but that if, if it But if it is the, the truth or the reveal, you heard it here first. Yeah. That would, you called it. Uh, I I think you could be correct. I think that. But might I, be but I think it, again, it's speculation. Well, but why wouldn't you call it the purge though? Because this movies right. do pretty well. But right? then again, like, look at like maybe maybe it'll be like a Blair Witch thing where last minute it's like, haha, it's actually called the Purge Hunt. Yeah. Or that's weird too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but judging the Blumhouse, purge col- yeah, the Purge colon Hunt. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. Do you it's, think it'll play Tiff? Maybe? And I think with with Lindelof and Cuse's son being involved, there's got to be more to it. Yeah, there's going to be some sort of mystery or reveal. I mean, maybe there's a polar bear. That, like they said, they weren't human or something too. Well, right? in the trailer, it says that Hillary, Hillary Swank's character says, you know, don't feel bad for them. They're not human. Right. And that might be literal or their... it might be even something with a class divide yeah. where maybe like, you know, it's hunting um, the one percent or hunting the 99 percent of America or maybe it's vice or versa, vice versa or yeah. something like that. Or maybe like, you know, um, uh, Trump's America is now being hunted by almost like <laughs> elitist types. I, I don't know. Like it's that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it, though. We're getting it in Se- September 27th. So Midnight maybe Madness. Tip, yeah. That'd be a fun Midnight Madness movie, and they have the relationship with Universal and Blumhouse from Halloween last year. So it could be a one-night kind of thing like Halloween. Yeah, I don't think it's big enough to get that treatment. I think they would just give it the normal treatment. Yeah, and they had um, that Peter Sarsgaard movie last year as well, right? The Lie, mm -hmm. which still doesn't have a theatrical release. Oh, yeah, we saw that, right? We sure did. Uh, Shot in Toronto. And she was from Toronto too, right? The director? One of the only female f- filmmakers they've worked with. And yeah, and he just, never even mentioned that. Yeah. What was her name? I feel like bad that I they, know. That let, were, me, let me find it out. It was called I the should lie. know because I remember these things, but I, I can't. I mean, the, the lie was so late in TIFF last year and also was very good, but Matt's looking it up. I am. Uh, Vina Sud, or Sud. Um, yeah, Torontonian uh, filmmaker and. The only female filmmaker I think he's worked with in so Blum, far in because Black Christmas is coming up next, right? So Universal would have the rights to the lie, right? Because that's who he's partnered with. Yeah, um, unless they maybe they just the reception at, at TIFF was less than yeah. So maybe they'll just dump it on Hulu or something or VOD, yeah. yeah. Um, or maybe their upcoming streaming service, right? Yeah, because sometimes they'll just throw things out there that will kind of work. I mean, look at last year with both upgrade in the sequel to unfriended they kind of 
were last minute releases at least in canada and they and were limited going to be release limited. and they went straight to like video yeah right? upgrade's great though i people, like upgrade a lot should yeah. watch that uh all right moving on to mulan um don't have much to say here Neither other do than, i like it looks fine um no musical moments so i think that's maybe they're staying away from that i think they're trying to do a more grounded like serious version of it without the musical note so kind of try to be more historically because they don't have the dragon in there no mushu is apparently she's gone and i think no eddie murphy i think you'll get some of the musical moments but it won't be like breaking into song like some of the other ones like it just be sort of like heavy score yeah and and things like that um action i don't have any affinity to mulan and i don't i barely remember it Um, i remember seeing it in a theater in scarborough in 98 and i think i did a double bill my grandmother took (laughs) me and my brothers to see that in armageddon nice it was a weird double Uh, bill (laughs) yeah when for nine ten year old eric or whatever those were the tame Um, movies though i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast before but when amc when when um landmark cinema which was amc uh, in in Whippy originally opened, my grandmother would always take us to movies and never ask us what they were about, and we would sit there with her. And if whoever was the closest would always apologize to her during the film, we would sort of like turn over it and whisper in her, "We're sorry, Nana. We're sorry." Um, so movies like Old School, Super Troopers, and Jay and Silent Bob. That's strike crazy. Back. That's so funny to me. I could not. Oh, and even... Scary Movie too. Oh my god. <laughs> I could not even imagine. And this is this is like you know, a, a man. I'm sorry you had seven, to see that a, guy a, get murdered with a dick in his ear at the beginning. Sixty <laughs> to seventy something year old British woman. I can't believe that shit. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's all my thoughts on Mulan. <laughs> um, I don't really care. I don't know. Like, it, I, I don't know. Either. If anything, it might be one of the better ones, just because I don't have any memory of the right original. there's there's no attachment to yeah. it the way that you do with lion king yeah um and if they do ch- do that thing where they are changing enough of it and just focusing on the more dramatic side of it um instead of the kind of classic disney musical side of yeah, it. yeah and it's directed by nikki caro who uh also did uh whale rider and um remember that kevin costner running movie mcfarland yeah yeah that was for disney wasn't it yep yeah so she already has a relationship there and she also did um, the zookeeper's wife with uh, jessica chastain oh, oh no <laughs> that movie sucks so much man remember that played uh, at the light box remember too. they made us sign embargoes yeah. in the line did you come to that screening yeah. at the light box yeah, i was there with you and they're like you can't talk because it was like a month and a half before it came out yeah and they made the audience sign this shit not even just the critics they yeah. were just like you guys because it played that uh young that uh tiff next wave right right and chastain and, was there why was she, was she shooting something i think yeah she was shooting molly's game that's why she oh, was there. right and yeah. we ran away before the q a started yeah but we like, always usually run away yeah all right unless the we, questions are asked by jonathan frakes <laughs> yeah all right let's move on to the news i gotta pee so let's get through this uh you can pee, pee into one of the beer bottles i don't want to stop that's that's the reason why i have to pee is the beer um a couple pieces of David Fincher news. Uh, Mindhunter season two has a premiere date. It is August sixteenth. August sixteenth. I still need to get through the first season, um, but I've heard good things. It is uh, really good. I don't like the lead though. I don't either. Jonathan I thought Ruff? the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Too uh, theatrical to me, and I'm yeah. theatrical as in like musical theater. Kind but of I like. love uh, Holt's. Uh, what's his last name? Mick. 
McNally. McNally? Yeah. Um, he's great. And, I mean, he's worked with Fincher a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. Alien 3, Fight Club, he pops up quite a bit. Um, so I, it might motivate me to get through the first season. And the next season is supposed to feature some, like, very prominent serial killers. Well, it's like. it's sort of focused on the uh, Atlanta uh, murders, yeah. right? And, and Fincher's already said that, that that could be, like, three seasons onto itself. Yeah. Um, and and uh, what... Wasn't the guy who's playing Manson already played Manson? Is, yes, he's going to be playing Manson in this. So this yeah. is after Manson's been captured. So they'll probably yeah. be interviewing him maybe in the first couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, Damien or Damon uh, Harrington? The guy who's playing Herring. him in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, he was also in The Square. So interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then the other piece of David Fincher news that we have is that he um, – after dropping out of World War Z2 or Paramount putting the kibosh on World War Z2, um, we have uh, Fincher's next film lined up, which is um, starring Gary Oldman, and it's on Netflix, and it's going to be based on the Citizen Kane screenwriter. Um, Herman. Herman? Her- Hem- Look at this up. It's up. Ben Mankiewicz's uh, grandfather. So, And it's called Mank. Mank, yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, I clicked on the wrong news story now. Um, it's going to be in black and white as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be shooting, I think, starting sometime this year. Yep. Uh, let me go. Herman J. Mankiewicz. Herman it's, J. Mankiewicz. It's called Mank. It'll be black and white biopic on the screenwriter. Started as a newspaper Citizen man King. and then became the co-screenwriter or was given co-credit for writing Citizen Kane and was very much opposed to Orson Welles. Uh, selling Citizen Kane as a singular vision, as only a Wells movie completely. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Although it's it, it it's also interesting because Ben Mankiewicz um, is also a BFCA member and uh, the host of uh, Turner Classic Movies and 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 runs the the festival that they have every year. Hasn't said anything yet about it. So I wonder if he's involved in in as a consultant or or what have you. And yeah, or it's probably just conflict of interest in general. Yeah. Right? So maybe just stays away from commenting on it in general yeah i mean this i love fincher this doesn't really interest me all that much well it's also written Um, the script is written by his father his late father who uh passed away in 2000 i think three and was a a writer for or a reporter for life magazine right so this was a script his dad wrote a while ago yeah and and apparently from reading the trades fincher has been want david fincher has been wanting to get this made around the time that the game was being produced so he's had it on 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 the back burner for a while now and i guess because of his relationship with netflix you know producing and and running both uh, house House of of cards Cards, and and mind hunter and also uh the what was the short series that you watched recently? Life, uh, Death, the robots. robots. Yeah, yeah. Or Love Robots, right? Love, Death, and Ro- Ro- Robots. Yeah, because yeah. he's an executive producer on that. Yeah, right? so he has a really good relationship with Netflix, and they'll give him the creative freedom to do whatever he wants with it. And they're probably one of the only people who would have given him money in general to do this. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious what he'll what a, an old time. Hollywood David Fincher movie biopic, will be like yeah. biopic and the black and white is kind of interesting to me but in terms of just like reading what that is I mean it doesn't really go into detail about Mankiewicz's own biography like what's there is it all going to be sort of focused on the development of Citizen Kane or how much is it going to be about his you know reporting years and and journalist years and, and things like that so um 
but I'm just excited that we're getting another Fincher movie because Gone Girl, it's been a while. So. God, 2013. Yeah, right? and Gary Oldman seemed perfect for a David Fincher movie. Yeah. Because he was originally rumored to play the Brian uh, Cox role in, in Zodiac. Oh, yeah? Yeah. God, I got to rewatch Zodiac. What a flick. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I hope it he actually goes through with it and makes it because it has been a while. Yeah. So. And he just feels like he's attached to a million. Remember 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and all that shit that he was supposed to do. Um, looks like Don Cheadle's in Space Jam 2. Oh, yeah. Starring with LeBron James. Uh, and then LeBron confirmed the rumor by going, I just shot a scene with him. Um, so, it, yeah. So, I don't know. What do you think? Space Jam 2, man. Like, Space Jam doesn't hold up. As I mean, well it's as happening. Like, yeah, it's actually happening, which is crazy. Um, LeBron's trying to recruit everyone to go to L.A. Um, in the NBA, but it didn't. And quite. Don Cheadle. And, yeah. So uh, I like Don Cheadle. I, I mean, I don't have much else to say. I don't either. Than, other like, than, I mean, it, I wonder if Don Cheadle will be playing, like, a, a Bill Murray-type role. Yeah. I mean, we'll get more cameos like that, I'm, I'm assuming. Right. Like, um, I don't know if anyone will return from the first one. Um, well, I'm hoping the Looney Wayne Tunes, Knight. man. Well, the Looney Tunes, yeah. Um, but I mean, like the humans, right? <laughs> um, Michael I'll, Jordan. Makes I just a want cameo. Wayne Knight to make a comeback, man. I know recently you said he was in Blind Spotting. Yeah, he has yeah. A, a very small role in in that movie, and then the movie before that I saw him in was Punisher Warzone. He right. played Microchip. Oh right. Um, yeah, I mean, I like that this Kugler, Ryan Kugler's producing it, and uh, which gets me excited. And I think he helped out with the script too in the later phases once they were doing rewrites. Yeah, on but it. will the soundtrack um, be as good and less problematic? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, anything else on that? No, not really. Yeah. I just like Don Cheadle. Fair. Uh, something you mentioned a few weeks ago that we uh, speculated that might have been a streaming service. It was not a streaming service. So A24's public access that they were teasing we thought might have been some sort of uh, – yeah, we, we said it might have been part of the Apple streaming service or something like that. Uh, to everyone's surprise, it's actually a screening series where they will be um, showcasing a – uh, a series of their films on billboards or other public areas around the U.S. In the right aspect ratio. Yes, yes, because that's their big uh, marketing push on this too with the um, different aspect ratios in white. Um, really interesting. I like this kind of stuff. Alamo Drafthouse did it with their uh, Rolling Road show. Yeah, it's very um, grassroots. Yeah, and they're so they're going to each city that these movies take place in and projecting them in a public space. Yeah, so like Moonlight um, is in Miami. Yeah. Uh, although it's weird with... Sacramento for Lady Bird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Massachusetts for The Witch, although yeah. that was shot in Ontario. Sure, yeah. But <laughs> wherever the movies take place yeah, is good where time. they're going. There, there was yeah. a couple other ones as well. Yeah, it sounds really cool. I wish there was something that was take that took place in Toronto. So there is. Get one of these. But, but it, um, right-wise, it, doesn't, it wouldn't work here. Enemy. Right, because that's an A24 film, right? It is. Oh, that would have been cool, man. Yeah. we got to convince them to do that. That would. Um, I mean, could you imagine watching that, like... Where would they... Where would be a good area to project that, probably? Oshawa in that motel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 where 
we're right around the corner from that actually kind of um no they'd probably do it at probably the university or or maybe something like that like right. on the side of the building or something like that or a billboard near there um but anyways a cool series if you go check out a24 public access they have a list of where all the screenings are um and uh if you're in any of those cities i'm sure it'll fill up fairly quickly but i don't know if they have an area blocked off or if you can just go i have no idea how it's going to work but it's, I'll, it's almost like an art installation weirdly yeah, too like, like you where's can, the sound going to yeah. come from they must install speakers and stuff like that so um so keep an eye out for yeah. that and, and and it'll be interesting to see like people taking photos and, and and commenting on social media when they actually happen and kind of get an idea of what this is going to be but i like stuff like that oh i I do too yeah like it again when we talked about the tiff programming and things like that like i think we need more interesting like we do a lot of outdoor screenings in toronto whether it's open roof festival or or movies in the park but they all feel a bit like janky to me right you love that word no offense to the people like putting those together they just feel like kind of i don't know like yeah it doesn't feel very enticing to me to go do that and the but. one that would make the most sense as well that i don't think they had on that list is because they scuttlebutted it basically was was under the silver lake yeah that would have been cool because you could yeah. shoot it you could play it at that cemetery right in la yeah, that would have been cool um the james wan mortal Kombat movie is happening and it has well, its- as, as we're saying this we're in the presence of scorpion's mask and a figurine of scorpion yes uh, our friend mike does really love scorpion and mortal Kombat. get over here um i love mortal Kombat as well i love the um, theme song yeah i hope they bring that back um but uh we have our sub-zero it's going to be the raid star uh joe uh joe Taslim, right? Taslim? Yeah, Taslim. Um, Joe Taslim is going to be starring as Sub-Zero in Mortal Kombat. I think a pretty good choice for it. Like, I mean, uh, for a movie that is very martial arts focused. Yeah, and, and he's going to uh, be probably wearing a mask throughout it as he well, will, right? Yeah. So. Yep. so whether they... Um, how well can he speak English? I forget. Like, I remember seeing the raid at TIFF and like... Um, I, it doesn't matter. It's, it's well, I know that Ico... Uh, uh, I was equal, yeah, yeah. Who's in stupor? Yeah. Um, his English isn't great, right. but but I don't think Sub Zero even needs to. No, I don't know how this. I I have no idea how this will turn out. But I mean, we still haven't quite gotten that great video game movie. Is this going to be it? No. Uh, <laughs> Automatically. But, I mean, no. James Wan is a bigger filmmaker than I expected to be attached to something like Mortal Kombat. Right. Well, James Wan in general, his career is just so fascinating. Yeah. Like it's like like talking about you know compared to. Paul W.S. Anderson, who directed the original Mortal Kombat movies, and seeing like how both of them kind of made their careers afterwards on movies that, you know, are kind of maybe mediocre, trashy kind of films like Saw and Resident Evil, but then that kind of catapulted them to do bigger stuff. Yeah, right? it's crazy. So, uh, very surprised he's attached to this. Very surprised it's happening. Um, we'll see how the cast kind of rounds out throughout the the next couple weeks or Johnny so. Cage. Uh, <laughs> bring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, was he in it? No. No, wait. Yeah, wasn't he? No. Christopher Lambert was Raven. Or Raiden. Or, yeah, Raiden. Sorry. Not oh, Raven. Oh, I'm thinking Street Fighter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, with Raul Julia and Kylie yeah. Minogue. Jean-Claude Van Damme's in Street Fighter, Yes, correct? he's the okay. lead in Street Fighter. Yes. Yeah. Okay, got those mixed up. Yeah. Both fighting games. Um, uh, 
I haven't watched that original Mortal Kombat in a very long time. It does not hold up. No. I remember seeing, watching some of it on Vice, and they bleeped out the word God. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, and then our final and biggest piece of news for the week, uh, Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson are starring in the new Saw movie, now shooting in Toronto. Yep. It'll um, be done by next week. Oh, yeah, it's probably already done. Yeah. Directed by Darren Lynn uh, Bozeman, who came yeah, back. For He was the director of the second, third, and fourth Saw movies. Um, so some of the most successful ones in the franchise. I mean, the first one's still the best one. But, yeah, somehow that got um, him to uh, the cash to make Repo. Oh, a, a genetic gen- opera. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> it's real bad. Starring Paris Hilton. Yeah, um, Sarah Brightman. Very bad movie. Um, oh, man, I, I remember when we talked about this, and I was like, there's no way Chris Rock's going to be in this movie. And he is. <laughs> like, he, he wrote it, or came up with the story at least. Uh, but Sam Jackson and Chris Rock in a Saw movie is is probably the best cast that they've ever had. Yeah, I hope it is and, uh, called. I made this joke to you when I was texting you. I hope it's called Jack Saw. Yeah, God. <laughs> um, I'm excited for this because, again, I'm used to the Donnie Wahlbergs and the. I mean, I guess Carrie Elways is in the first one. He, I guess he's the biggest name that they've. They Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Yes. Sorry. Was so, all, he was. Was he in Seven? Or did they just no, use archival the footage? One, didn't he? Yeah, they used archival stuff because he dies in the first song. Well, no, I know that. But, okay. but they Oh, did they bring him back or did they use archival? Yeah. Because uh, you'll still get credited for it and paid and, and either way, but I wasn't sure if they just – Great question. No idea. Yeah. Um, I don't will, care about these will movies Chris enough Rock to look Will Chris Rock and Sam Jackson them? be related to Danny Glover's character? Who knows? I thought they were going to be related to Tobin Bell. Uh, but Chris Rock will be playing a um, uh, uh, an officer um, – uh, charged to these new series of uh, deaths, and Sam Jackson's playing his dad. Will Sam Jackson be the next Jigsaw? I fucking hope so. Him baby. and Tobin Bell? Oh, oh. baby. <laughs> I hope so. Jigsaw's dead, and if we get Sam Jackson, who makes eight movies a year, he'll do a Saw movie for the next fucking decade. Um, I mean, I mean, I, it's... I'm fascinated by this, and um, it's weird. And also, Max Minghella joined the cast as, as well as his partner, yeah. right? As uh, Chris Rock's partner, yeah. So the guy um, who directed Teenage Dream, Teen Spirit, yeah, Teen Spirit, uh, Teenage Dream, Teenage Dream. Uh, <laughs> uh, that movie is so forgettable. But oh, it is. Yeah, um, I went from Teen Spirit to co-starring in Saw Eight. <laughs> hey, good for you. Um, I'm the son of Anthony Minghella. <laughs> I mean, it just, it seems weird that Chris Rock, I mean, Sam Jackson does everything. Yeah. Like, oh, Sam Jackson is, I'm not has surprised no he's in a Saw movie, but yeah. like, um, Chris Rock actually, I guess he must really love his idea if he's going to star in it too. Yeah. Right? And, and I mean, also Chris Rock, I mean, the thing I love about him is again, talking about liking somebody more as a personality than a filmmaker, or somebody in movies is that he loves cinema. Like he's a he's a fan of all different types of movies, like French New Wave and you know Italian neorealism and and stuff like that. And he knows his shit. So for him to want to do this, I'm I'm curious to see how it's all going to turn out. And like, could this be the first good Saw movie? In my hey, opinion, how dare how dare you, you piece of shit? How dare you? <laughs> okay. Uh, but I'm excited nonetheless. So uh, this is fucking bizarre. I, I want to try and track down the uh, – I like you said, they might already done be done shooting. Yeah, so, they probably um, are. They started last fucking Friday or whatever I remember was, listening so. to the audio commentary for the first one and uh, – 
they're like, yeah, so we were even able to manage to shoot all the uh, scenes where Danny Glover was driving a car inside a studio (laughs) to save time. Oh, I know. A thousand percent. Um, New catchphrase, a thousand percent. All right. Uh, All right, guys. Oh, I just wanted to say uh, one more quick thing. Uh, R.I.P. to Rip Torn. Oh, um, right. Yes, I didn't Who is a great character actor. Dodgeball. Uh, Dodgeball, obviously best known to our generation in the Men in Black movies as well uh, as Zed, but was great on uh, the Larry Sanders show uh, as Artie. um, Did a lot of really wonderful character work in the 70s and 80s, Payday and Cross Creek, which he was nominated for an Oscar and lost to Jack Nicholson for Terms of Endearment. Great voice, great name, really strange career. Yeah. Um, in his later years, I'm sure a lot of people know about this, that he got drunk and robbed a bank. Um, and he was in his late 70s, early 80s at that point. Um, and just, just a great voice as well. Like he, he was the voice of um, uh, Zeus in, in, the Disney, in Disney's Hercules. Oh, was he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so a so- solid character actor. Agree completely. Uh, so rest in peace to Rip. Torn. Rip Torn and Powers Booth. I mean, those names are incredible. We don't get those names anymore. Uh, we got Joe Shoulder, though. Jack he, Shoulder. Jack Shoulder? So, yeah. Damn it. His son, Joe Shoulder. <laughs> Joe Shoulder. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, if you guys like this, we do another podcast that's uh, 100% less stupid than this, but still kind of dumb, uh, called The Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric and I get together and review a movie a little bit more professionally than whatever the hell we talk about on this podcast. Go check out our reviews right now for uh, Crawl, Crawl Stuber. Stuber. You can go back and listen to our spoiler-free uh, review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Or our spoiler-filled uh, Untitled Movie podcast from a yes, couple Yes, uh, Midsommar. Yes. Uh, we'll have stuff soon for The Lion King and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and uh, Hobbs and Shaw. So make sure you go subscribe to that channel as well. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck, and you can find more of my work around the internet uh, mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and on all of the social medias, including uh, mostly Twitter and Letterboxd at Matt Rorabek. And you can find more of my work on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on social media at EM6211. And until next time, go and see The Last Black Man in San Francisco now playing. Please do. It's excellent. Bye.